Hi, everybody. Igor here. You're about to hear a very special episode that talks about strengthening the healthcare ecosystem and infrastructure in Ukraine, both in the near term as well as in the long term, and two amazing individuals who are working on this issue. Now, since we recorded that episode, many new crises have broken out around the world, some man-made and others because of mother nature. Those crises also require our attention. That doesn't mean that we should take our eyes off what's going on in Ukraine. What it means instead is that we need to increase our capacity to be able to address healthcare crises around the world simultaneously. And it also means that we need to continue to learn from these events so that we can do better in the future. And today's episode is a great opportunity to learn. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Next in Health podcast. I'm Jenny Colapitro, PwC's Vice Chair for Health Industries, working across pharmaceuticals, medtech, payers, and providers. And I'm Igor Belikronitsky, a principal with PwC Strategy and where I help health organizations with their strategies and operating models. And today we have a very special episode. Ever since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Ukraine's healthcare infrastructure has come under tremendous pressure. And this pressure can be felt both on the front lines and the battle lines, as well as deep in the heartland of the country as we see shortages of staff and supplies and facilities and a lot of unpredictable events that require immediate response. And today on the podcast, we have two remarkable individuals representing two remarkable organizations that are there trying to help, literally there. And so we have Barrett Baker of Project Horizon from the Sunflower Network. And we have Dan Solchanik from Razum for Ukraine. Dan is in Ukraine today. Barrett is on his way there. We're very grateful to have them on the podcast with us today to discuss what's going on in Ukraine and how they're helping to strengthen Ukraine's infrastructure and improve it in the long term as well. So thank you both for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much. So let's maybe begin at the beginning and we'd love to hear a little bit more about you and your organization. So Dan, maybe let's start with you if you'd introduce yourself and talk about Razum for Ukraine and particularly Razum Health. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. As Igor said, I'm Daniel Solchanik. I'm the program director for Razum Health. I'm a humanitarian medic with about 10 years of experience working all across the world and very lucky to have joined Razum a couple of months ago as the program director. Um, coming from a Ukrainian background, this is a situation that is very near and dear to my heart. And so I'm very glad to be helping out. And so Razum was started in 2014. We do a lot of different types of work, including advocacy and grant making, both in the United States and here in Ukraine. However, our pillar is the health pillar, and we work across with hospital partners and local partners to very simply just alleviate suffering and prop up the Ukrainian healthcare system. And Barrett, how about you? So first, as a PwC and Strategy and alumni, I'm really grateful to be speaking with you, Igor, and Jenny about my work in Ukraine, and I'm so appreciative of all the support from PwC since I left the firm earlier this year. 
My name is Barrett Baker, and I'm working with Sunflower Network to build healthcare infrastructure in Ukraine. And the beginning of our organization really traces back to the outset of Russia's full-scale invasion in Ukraine of February of last year, where we began delivering medical supplies in the form of hygiene products and generators and even more durable resources like ambulances. And since then, we have delivered over $3.5 million of aid to Ukrainians in need. Alongside that, we have celebrated Ukrainian art and identity through different shows and art exhibitions in both New York and in Los Angeles. And over the course of these last 15 months or so, we've observed the humanitarian crisis really fundamentally shift in nature. We've worked really closely with our local partners and have observed two phenomena that has shaped our decision to pursue infrastructure projects. The first is there's been a remarkable stabilization in the aid emergency supply chain through the support of NGOs like Rosam and private sector organizations and public sector entities. Second, and really as a result of this incredible collaboration and work across the world, there's now an opportunity to supplement a lot of that short-term work with long-term infrastructure type projects. And specifically for us, we believe healthcare infrastructure is a real priority activity. And so we're working really closely with Brody Municipality in Western Ukraine to build a new regional hospital that will serve both soldiers and civilians. The hospital has an existing staff of 400 doctors and nurses, and it has a stable source of municipal and state funding. And so once the facility is constructed, it'll be very well resourced to operate into the future. We're calling this effort Project Horizon, and it's the first public-private partnership to build healthcare infrastructure in Ukraine since the full-scale invasion. And really what we're most excited about here is the opportunity to create a blueprint for how to build healthcare infrastructure, not only in Brody, but throughout the rest of the country as well. So again, really glad to be here and appreciate the opportunity to spotlight our work. Thank you both for just sharing your background and giving us some perspective into your respective companies and what they're doing to help advance the health infrastructure there in Ukraine. We're also very grateful to have you join us. So with something as big and as urgent and catastrophic as the problems you're both tackling, how did you even pick an area to start? Well, for Sunflower Network, we really mapped the areas of need across the country and overlaid that with our organization's scope of expertise. And then we looked really critically at the activities that filtered through and assessed what we felt confident in really executing. And given the depth of our local relationships, particularly in Brody, and the wealth of real estate and legal and healthcare expertise amongst our international partner network, we felt really confident in our ability to equip the locality in Brody with the tools to build a facility that is very effective now and will also help push the envelope in terms of how to deliver high quality care in Ukraine. And like all challenging projects, once you have your North Star, it's really about building a plan that enables you to take very small, very intentional steps towards achieving that goal. And Dan, how about you from Razum's perspective? Yeah. So like I said, we started in 2014. So when the full-scale invasion started, we leaned heavily on our network here in Ukraine of local communities. And mirroring what Barrett said, we really took an iterative approach and started with our logistics network and getting our drivers and warehouse sorted to be able to deliver these much needed supplies and medications to really hard to reach areas. 
That's great. And what would you say have been the biggest challenges that you faced? For Sunflower Network, it's been difficult to strike the right balance between speed and quality. The need is so urgent, but there is also a very strong need to provide high-quality, enduring solutions. And Ukrainians have this incredible ability to move and execute quickly. But at the same time, we are very acutely aware of the need to structure and execute our work in a way that maximizes quality and transparency, frankly, while also minimizing risk. And so we recognize that this period in Ukraine's history represents an opportunity to innovate and bring a lot of these industry-leading practices from projects around the world to the way in which the country is rebuilt. In our case, we want to leverage a lot of the strategies of innovative health systems in the US and in Europe to position Ukraine to move their healthcare infrastructure into a more modern, a more WHO-aligned future. And it's a very elegant dance to strike between moving quickly and from that front, but also making sure that the projects are executed at a high quality. And for us, I think in the early days, the challenges were mainly around navigating the sort of dynamic situation on the ground, specifically around sort of the front line moving and providing support to newly deoccupied areas. However, these days, I think, and I'm sure Barrett is feeling the same thing, that, you know, we're struggling to keep donors engaged, especially as the war drags on. And so obviously, we're keeping a close eye on the election and what's happening in D.C. I think additionally, as mentioned before, there's been a huge brain drain of folks that have just left the country to go to Europe and to go to Poland. But also, I think there's the larger organizations have sucked up a lot of the really good talent of doctors and nurses and techs and managers. So I think one of our projects addresses this by doing a mini MBA for hospital managers. And so we're really looking to the long term to try to fill those gaps in the older style of management for the people that have remained here. That's tremendous to hear. And you've both made very important points. You know, Dan, you talked about the scarcity of resources, whether they're financial resources or human resources. But then Barry, you talked about greater opportunities on the horizon. So would love to hear more about this delicate dance that Barrett you're describing of matching up the scarce resources that you're stewarding for your organizations to the highest potential opportunities, the opportunities that could have the biggest impact on Ukraine's infrastructure in the near and long term. How do you make choices and where do you see the biggest opportunities for your organizations? Igor, it's a really great question. To echo Dan's point, we very much feel this tightening in funding that's happening across the humanitarian ecosystem. And Igor, you're exactly right. It forces you to ruthlessly prioritize. And that's a very tough activity to go through when there is such an abundance of need. And for people like Dan and myself, when you see that on the ground, that prioritization activity just gets harder and harder. But what I think it forces a lot of the aid organizations like Sunflower Network and Rosam to do is to be incredibly thoughtful and incredibly strategic in how they deploy resources. And like I spoke to earlier, we want to choose projects and we want to choose partners where we can structure things with a high degree of conviction and certainty because you know the reality of the situation is mistakes are very costly. And so when we have medical resources and human capital and funding that can be deployed towards both short and long-term projects, 
you know, it's our duty and our responsibility to make sure that we're doing it in a hyper thoughtful way. So it's certainly a challenge, but it pushes all of us to be more strategic and more innovative. And from what I've seen, I think from the health side, at least, that there is an incredible opportunity here to learn from what the health practitioners are doing, especially in these more forward areas. I think, as we all know, coming out of Iraq and Afghanistan, there were major advances and major leaps, especially in trauma care. And I think there's a similar opportunity. Unfortunately, I don't think that the U.S. government or other entities have either the interest or the bandwidth right now to collect this data and to disseminate what's happening, unfortunately, because the people on the ground here are busier with other things. And the U.S. government obviously is treading this very fine balance of being involved and being not involved and the political ramifications of that. I also see just being here for the last month or so, this incredible spirit of entrepreneurship and the younger generation here in Ukraine is really ready to take on and integrate with new ideas and are really passionate about building up this newer, better, brighter Ukraine. So that gives me a lot of hope as well. Dan, I want to put a a fine point on what you said, because it really resonates deeply with what we're seeing at Sunflower Network. We are witnessing such an incredible innovation in spirit amongst the Ukrainian people, particularly the younger generations. There is this interminable will to build a brighter future and to be proximate to that has inspired me deeply on a personal level, but it also gives me a lot of faith that the solutions that we are implementing will be nurtured and will be operated effectively and will be built upon going forward. And so I think you hit the nail right on the head, Dan, by pointing out that the Ukrainian people are amazing in a lot of different ways, but I think one of them is this really robust spirit that is very innovative in nature, certainly resonates with us. It's really inspiring to hear that despite all of the challenges that you still have the optimism, the hope, the passion, and that entrepreneurial spirit coming through the Ukraine people to work towards something better. Just curious for both of you, like how has all of this, including all of the time that you've been spending on the ground in Ukraine, how has that impacted your perspective? For me personally, being close to war shows the peaks and troughs of humanity in very close distance to each other. And that's something that I had never seen before. And what I think is very beautiful about that is it creates very strong bonds amongst the community. And so I, unlike Dan, don't have Ukrainian heritage, yet every time I go, they welcome me as one of them. And I feel like I'm a part of their family. And I think that's a lesson that you can take all over the world. But it very profoundly impacts me in believing that we can create a community that is just much bigger than a lot of the divides that I think separate us today. And from my side, I mean, I am consistently impressed with our own staff and our volunteers who are just, they're so resilient and always up for keeping the work going, even in the face of bombings and shellings and all these horrible things that come along with working in the war zone. And I think for me on the health side as a program director, it has really crystallized the need for us to continue to build out our in-house ongoing mental health support for our staff and volunteers, because I think that's one thing, the idea of helping the helpers is something that we're constantly trying to get right. And I know we provide mental health support through our centers across Ukraine, but also we are looking to really 
build out and make a more robust framework around helping our own staff and volunteers deal with the realities of war. We appreciate you sharing this with us. I want to go back to this topic of innovation because it's near and dear to our hearts here and we talk a lot about it here. And to Dan's point, a lot of the history of medicine is a history of battlefield innovation, whether it's wound catheterization or invention of ambulances and other major things that moved healthcare forward. And there are a lot of health organizations out there looking for new ideas. They have gleaming academic medical centers and labs and they're looking for stuff, but there's, based on what you're telling us, a lot of reason to pay attention to what's happening in Ukraine today where the facilities may not be there, but the innovative spirit and the pressure to solve problems under scarcity are felt very acutely. So I'm wondering if you'd give us a few more examples of the kinds of problems that have to be solved, the kinds of innovations that you may be seeing. I think Dan pointed out a couple key pain points for organizations trying to navigate, particularly the infrastructure landscape, one being this brain drain, another being labor shortages, disruptions in supply chains. And so you're seeing manufacturers and you're seeing developers with tremendous creativity in coming up with project structures that can be successfully implemented across the country. For us, you know, we have looked at a bunch of different types of construction modalities, whether it's building on-site, whether it's building modular elsewhere, different ways of transporting certain materials into the country. And the Ukrainians are at the forefront and really the nexus between tech and healthcare and infrastructure. And you're seeing it in a lot of these different novel creative solutions around the problems that have been brought about by the war. And again, I think it speaks to their determination and their perseverance. And despite the dire circumstances, sometimes very creative, very innovative solutions can come from that. And we're seeing some very innovative things happening with surgical techniques through the surgery trips that we plan and implement. But we also are seeing innovations with that trauma care. And I think the hospital in Dnipro is sort of a clear you know, I was talking to a surgeon the other day and he says there's no question that it's the most busy trauma center in the world right now. And so what's heartening to see, too, is that the government here and the Ministry of Health are on board with innovating along with the needs. And so one area that has been really great and that we're working towards here at Razum Health is pre-hospital whole blood transfusions. And that's something that in the U.S. is still in its infancy. And so we're really trying to work with the Ministry of Health, who just passed a new law, to be able to make it lawful to administer blood in the pre-hospital setting. And I think things like that, it's heartening to see, again, that the Ministry of Health and the government are on board with these types of innovations. Now, oh, that's exciting to hear. And I think there's a lot from us to learn from this innovation that's spawning from all of this. You both have shared that there's still such an abundance of need. And our listeners here on the podcast are leaders that span across the healthcare industry. What would you like them to know about this effort and how can they get involved? Yeah, so addressing the needs in Ukraine amidst this invasion is still both urgent and critical. And so, you know, to all the healthcare leaders listening today, I think here's what I'd really like to convey is that one of the most powerful tools we have, and this is what we talk about at ASM all the time, is attention as currency. And it's really one of the most powerful tools that we possess is attention. 
And so in today's world, you know, where information is abundant and issues compete for visibility, drawing attention to the invasion in Ukraine really can create lasting change. So every mention, share, and discussion keeps the issue in the limelight and increases the chances of uh, substantial and long-term support. And so your voice, your platform can make all the difference. And then I think the other thing I'd like to mention is being in a leadership position gives you the unique power to influence policies and decision-making at higher levels, especially if you do reside in a state or a congressional district where your representative is neutral or maybe on the fence about supporting Ukraine. You can really play a huge pivotal role by voicing your concerns and sharing expert opinions and presenting the facts. And so this can really influence them to make decisions that will aid Ukraine and its citizens. Sunflower Network's ethos is to bring together a community of partners, whether traditional or unlikely, who can contribute their unique talents and expertise in a way that speaks to their organization's value. And we have a tremendous coalition of partners across a lot of different industry sectors who have made a tremendous difference in ways that I don't think they quite would have been able to realize on their own. And so what I would say to particularly the healthcare organizations out there who may be listening, there are opportunities to contribute your expertise beyond just supply donation and medicine delivery and things like that, that can really make an enduring impact and can position Ukraine to build tools for themselves to build a brighter future. And like Dan said, I think it requires renewed attention and commitment to the issue. Our guests today were Dan Siltranik from Razum Health and Barrett Baker from the Sunflower Network Project Horizon. And we are so grateful to both of them for spending their time with us and sharing their insights. Thank you both and safe travels to you in Ukraine and a safe return home. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. For more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. And that way you can also get all the great previous episodes and all the great future episodes. Until next time, this has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.